It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has opened the doors to the historic Washington, D.C. temple this week where media, ambassadors, members of Congress, uh, religious leaders of all types have been able to go through the open temple as it will have this open house for the next several weeks. And joining us from Washington, D.C. is Sharon Eubanks. She's a member of the Relief Society General Presidency and uh, also uh, leads Latter-day Saint Charities. And uh, Sister Eubank, thank you so much for carving some time for us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Uh, these are these are intense days, these open houses. You take groups through the temple. Uh, share with us just a little bit of your experience as you've been able to take different groups through, be part of those conversations. What are you hearing? What are you sensing as people uh, go through for the first time? There's been so much interest in this open house from the community, and people have seen it from the Beltway. It stands out so much from the Beltway. But they've never had the chance to really come inside since 1974. And so, so many people are really relishing the chance to come inside and understand more about our faith. They've asked really great questions, and it's just been wonderful to be with them and, and have the chance to show why it's such an important building for us. Yeah, when you look at a, the world that we live in and all of the challenges, and we'll, we'll talk about some of your work as it relates to some of those refugee and humanitarian efforts, uh, that temple there around the Beltway, it, it has been a, a symbol of peace and of hope uh, to uh, our nation's capital. Uh, again, what is the, the sense of people as they, uh, they get to experience that and say, oh, now I know, now I get it. <laughs> The last tour that I took was with um, the head of Catholic Charities for Washington, D.C. So this was a Catholic father. And we've, through Latter-day Saint Charities, we've partnered with them a lot on refugee assistance. And, you know, I asked him, how is it going and what kinds of things do we need to do to pivot? But as we were in the temple and we were talking about the, the promises that we make to God about uh, peace and building up our communities and reaching out in fellowship and brotherhood with other people, when we walked out the doors... Father John said to me, I understand now why you are the way you are and why our partnership is so important. And so I felt like that was really successful as we had that discussion. Yeah, you, you have been one that has been able to link and, and lock arms with so many people of so many faiths. Uh, again, especially uh, in your work at Latter-day Saint Charities. Tell us a little bit about that and why that continues to work and really be a model in terms of serving the needs of the poor, the suffering and the refugees. Everybody knows when you watch the news, there's so much need right now, and, and it's almost impossible to do anything that will be enough. I think the only way to, to really respond in a way that will be effective is through partnerships. And so as a Latter-day Saint, I'm always asking myself, who could I partner with that would build up my community and make this stronger? And Latter-day Saint Charities follows that model, too. We can't be everywhere. There are places where we're, we're strong and places we're not as strong. And so who can we partner with and what can we do together that will strengthen up the community or address the emergency that's happening? And so for us personally and also institutionally, it's about partnerships and connection. Yeah, I, th I think that's so important, and especially, I think, uh, in the backdrop of our nation's capital where 
uh, even governments can't do everything. And uh, through the, that partnering, through that linking and locking of arms, you've been able to see how you're able to get food and hygiene kits and supplies uh, to critical areas, including uh, those in and around Ukraine. Uh, how is that a, a model for uh, maybe political leaders and community leaders uh, to look at maybe a, a different approach uh, in terms of how we serve those around us? Something's happening during our time where everything is polarized to the very extremes, and I think it, it feels like we're being driven into tiny little boxes that we don't share with anybody else. And so I, I really feel that the, the forces in our community that can break open those boxes, we might not agree on politics, we might not agree on, on faith or doctrine, but there are lots of common ground that we have where we can agree, and we can build uh, our communities better, we can work on our schools, we can make them inclusive and safe for people, and we can try to address conflict. And for me, we can address food shortages and all kinds of those things, but if we don't do anything about the root causes that is causing those emergencies, which right come down to people not getting along in conflict, we have to change our hearts, we have to root out the biases, and we have to try harder to find common ground where we can work together with people. Yeah, you have been involved in so many of those crucial conversations, those build uh, building of bridging uh, bridges moments uh, where people have set aside maybe some of the, the bias of the past or some of the prejudice of the past uh, and, and recognize, hey, we can get together and we can actually do something that can make a difference. How do we have more of those kind of conversations in our world? I took a great example from Reverend Amos Brown, who spoke at one of the press conferences about the temple. He comes from another faith. He's a personal friend of President Nelson. And he's, they've had discussions of what could we do that would help each other's communities. And he stood up at the, at the pulpit and he just said, I love the Latter-day Saints. And this is their temple and this is important in our community. And he made me want to stand up for other people of faith and find out what their priorities are and look for them. He was a great example to me because he did that for this important you know, open house and, and dedication of our specific temple. Yeah, we, we, we love uh, Reverend Amos Brown, and uh, I'd go listen to him preach anywhere, any day, anytime. <laughs> he is an extraordinary soul and, and such a, a great example of, of coming together and finding those solutions. Uh, finally, uh, Sister Eubank, before I let you go, uh, again, busy day in our nation's capital with the open house of the Washington, D.C. Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We've come off of Easter and Passover and Ramadan this unique convergence there we often talk about easter being kind of a dual message uh, an invitation to come and see and then an invitation to go and tell uh, so as you've been there as you've taken these groups through and interacted what do you hope people came and saw and what do you hope they go and tell after their experience at the washington dc temple Last night, I took a group together. They were an interfaith group, so they belonged to different faiths. There were some people from Islam. There were some people from the Jewish faith. There were some Latter-day Saints, some Catholics, and it's called Soul to Soul. So they just, they really get together to share their faiths and their beliefs and then try to find something to do together. And I loved being with them because the Latter-day Saints were fasting uh, for Ramadan with with the folks uh, from uh, the Muslim community there. And as soon as our tour was over, they were going to break their fast and have an iftar. And I liked the, the commonality, the trying to understand each other's experience, but then to turn around and take all that understanding and say, all right, what are we going to do? We've had this great experience. What are we going to do in our community with the understanding that we've built? So they were a great example for me. And if anybody comes out of the Temple Open House, what I hope they learn from us is, we love Jesus Christ, and we're committed to following his gospel. We're going to try and love God. We're going to try and love our neighbor the very best we can, and we hope that 
there's evidence in our lives so that you can see what we really believe. Uh, fantastic. Sister Sharon Eubank of the Relief Society General Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints also heads uh, Latter-day Saint Charities doing extraordinary work, great partnership, uh, really showing what loving our fellow travelers here on Earth really looks like. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Boyd. Yeah, we're going to continue to track and follow this uh, special open house of the Washington, D.C. Temple. In fact, just a programming note, uh, next Monday through Thursday, Inside Sources will broadcast from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. We'll get uh, more insight and interviews from those who are coming to see the Washington, D.C. Temple as they have this open house. We know that members of Congress, the House and the Senate, uh, will have opportunities to go through. We know there's been ambassadors, there's been members of the media, and leaders from all kinds of faith traditions uh, there in the D.C. area who have uh, gone and uh, gone through a, uh, a tour of that historic temple. Again, it's been since 1974 where they had the last open house before it was dedicated. And uh, then, of course, it's been under renovation the last few years and uh, some delays there because of the pandemic. Uh, So this is an important uh, event for the church, obviously, and for the local community. It has been an icon there in our nation's capital since 1974. And a host of dignitaries are working their way through. And the general public will, as well, in the weeks ahead, uh, have opportunity to go through those very same tours and have that experience uh, get to chance to check out the inside of the Washington, D.C. Temple. And again, we'll be broadcasting Inside Sources Monday through Thursday next week from 1 to 3 here, Utah time, uh, from Washington, D.C. And of course, we'll have opportunities to have some political discussions with uh, many of the leaders in our nation's capital. And so all of that will be coming up next week on Inside Sources. Don't miss out on that opportunity with this as well. All right, uh, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. Would you and your family know what to do if a fire, earthquake, flood, or other emergency happened? Coming up next, after bottom of the hour news, we're going to talk with John Smith. Of course, uh, DJ for 103.5 The Arrow. He's also a volunteer firefighter and has extraordinary insight into the importance of putting together a family emergency plan ahead of time and what that opportunity leads to. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.